Broadcasting from deep in the Eublifaris galaxy, on a small planet called Gekonia, east of the albino hills and south of the raging leucistic river, comes the one, the only, Gecko Nation Radio. Good evening, everybody. Welcome, citizens of Gecko Nation, to another edition of Gecko Nation Radio. I love that intro. It gets me pumped every time. Uh, today is February 9th, 2014, and we have Michelle Giovecchio of Rampant Reptiles joining us. And uh, Michelle has been a hobbyist since 2007 and a breeder of leopard geckos, and uh, she's got some incredible incredible morphs and projects that she's working on. One of her really just real beautiful ones is her uh, fasciolatus uh, crosses that she's working on. Really, really impressed. Uh, so I'm looking forward to tonight's uh, episode. We're going to talk to her about how she cares for her animals, her projects, um, all different stuff related to um, being a, uh, a breeder of leopard geckos. And she does it on a smaller scale. Uh, she's not a huge huge, uh, very well-known breeder, but she is pretty well-known in, in the community. And uh, as I do more and more of these shows, I get to uh, meet more and more people. And um, myself, I wasn't always on Facebook or uh, in, in forums and such. So I really didn't know, like, a lot of the, um, the breeders that are out there that are, uh, just have, like, just a lot of notoriety and a, a pretty strong following. Um, so it's kind of cool that I'm getting to meet more and more people through the show, and uh, Michelle is definitely someone that is uh, is definitely respected in the in the world of leopard geckos as as far as breeders go. So it's going to be a cool show. Um, before we get started, I would like to uh, thank everyone that made it to the uh, White Plains Expo today. It's a great show. Uh, I didn't expect it to be, uh, but it turned out really well. The last one was only a month ago, and uh, I think this format works good for them, where they have two shows after the holidays because uh, some people maybe can't make it to that first one and they get to come around to the second one. Um, so I want to do a special shout-out to my man Jay. Jay, thanks for uh, grabbing some geckos today. And for everybody else that stopped by and said hello and got to catch up with, it was great seeing you all. And uh, something that made my, my day on my way out today. And, guys, this is why I do what I do with the radio show and the YouTube channel and whatnot. On my way out the door, uh, a young man... Uh, came up to me and uh, he saw that I had packed up and I was on my way out and he was a little bit disappointed. But uh, he said, Dave, I've been looking for you. I just got to the show. I just want you to know that uh, your YouTube videos are what inspired me to get into leopard geckos and I'm having a lot of fun with them. And He was telling me a little bit about, uh, brief, very briefly, uh, some things that he was working on. And, uh, and that, to me, that just made my day to know that, you know, my... YouTube videos, which are nothing really special. It's just me sharing my enthusiasm about geckos. Uh, we're just able to inspire others to do this. And I, I believe that's, that's something that we all need to do, and it's, it's actually a, a responsibility that I believe we all have, that if you're involved in this, uh, you really should go out of your way to get more people involved, because the more people we have in this, the stronger we, walk, we will be um, down the line, and, you know, the more people, the merrier, so to speak. But especially as far as these legislation issues that we face. Um, the stronger, you know, community that we have, the larger community that we have is going to uh, definitely be a benefit for us. So do your part, everyone, and try to get at least one other person involved. 
if each one of you gets just one more person involved, we double the whole community. So I mean, it's, it's, it can grow exponentially just like that. Um, so you know, I drove home and I, I just—it took me two hours to get home from the show, and I just made it home in time before the ice started accumulating on the roads and it started getting dangerous. The snow started, so I left pretty much at just the right time. I hope everyone else that didn't leave early made it home okay. Um, and yeah, so I'm looking forward to the next show, everybody. Before we get started, I really seriously just want to just tell everyone how much Gecko Nation Radio appreciates our sponsors. Our sponsors are, are the plugs that we do for the sponsors, number one, are sincere. And um, don't do, we don't bring on sponsors that we don't personally recommend or that we don't really feel are just great businesses and breeders in the community, okay? Um, I take that very seriously. I don't want to be one of those types of people that brings on any sponsor and just says they're great just because they're paying to be a sponsor. It doesn't work that way here. Um, these are sincere plugs. These are great businesses and great people in the community. So check out these sponsors, everyone. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by abdragons.com is your source for the highest quality doobie roaches. Whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps, abdragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt reptile heat tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out abdragons.com online and on Facebook. And if you're looking for quality food for your doobie roaches, crickets, mealworms, and superworms, Look no further than MS2 Premium Insect Chow. Made with reptiles in mind, it contains no dog food, cat food, or chicken mash. Using only vegetable proteins and high-quality ingredients, MS2 Premium Insect Chow will have your feeders making a beeline for it. Contact ms2ent.weebly.com or it can also be purchased at Rainbow Mealworms and AB Dragons. Rainbow Mealworms is the largest worm grower in the world and selling to the public since 1956. If you need the highest quality mealworms, superworms, and crickets for your pets, contact them at www.rainbowmealworms.net. Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source for any reptile supply products that you may need from Exoterra, Zoomed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more, and all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. Contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com or message me on Facebook and I'll put you in touch with the owner. Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types, from white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook. All right. And uh, we definitely have a few more sponsors. <laughs> and I have to tell you, we are limiting the sponsors now. We just, I just, guys, I don't want the show to be all uh, advertisements. And um, we're going to be putting together the, the Gecko Nation Radio um, 
website very soon. Once that gets up and running and um, the following is there for the, for the website, I may be able to expand and take on more sponsors. And, um, and we'll see how that goes. I just don't want to clog up the airtime with it. Other sponsors are pretty much the last ones that I'm bringing on. And uh, Bad from Ohio Gecko, he is the, the breeder that runs Gecko Forms. And uh, Thad was at the show today and had just, when you go to Thad's table, you just see orange, like crazy, crazy orange. He does really well with his tangerines. If you guys are looking for very high-quality tangerines from uh, unique lines that he's working on, uh, definitely check out OhioGecko.com. Uh, he also has some pretty unique uh, fat tail projects and uh, some snow projects as well. Um, just very interesting. And uh, he's been on the show in the past. You can check out his episode uh, in our archive. And for those of you guys that don't know, the archive of shows is available on iTunes and also on Blog Talk here. And uh, I'm going to try to get it on the other formats as well, so it'll be easy for everyone to find it out there. A uh, new sponsor, another one that we have is Wally from Supreme Gecko. Uh, you guys must know Wally by now. Wally's definitely one of, a, one of the best breeders and best hobbyists or enthusiasts and businesses in the uh, gecko community uh, in particular. Uh, Wally's got a, just a wide array of micro geckos, got leopard geckos, does really good work with Cresties. And uh, he's been on the show in the, uh, in the past as well, and he's, we're going to be having him back soon. So uh, we're very, very happy to have Wally on board. And last and, and not least, and the newest sponsor, which I'm very, very pleased about, is uh, the biggest, I don't know if they're the biggest, but I know they're the best uh, reptile uh, shipping company, and that's Reptiles Express, uh, www.reptilesexpress.com. If you're a breeder and you're starting to ship your animals, um, don't ship your animals yourself. Number one, it's, it's, not, it's not even legal in most states. You have to go through an, uh, a live animal authorized shipping company. Reptiles Express is that source. And uh, basically how it works is you, you uh, become a member with them and you buy your FedEx label through their site. It gets a special code and you're able to legally ship your reptiles. Now, when you use Reptiles Express to ship your animals, uh, this you're, you're basically going to have somebody on board that's going to track them every step of the way and make sure they get to where they're going. And uh, a lot of people find that nervous when they're shipping their animals. Um, Debbie and Debbie is their uh, is their contact there, and she is talk about customer service. That's her middle name. All right, she helped me when I first started shipping, and just an incredible person to deal with. So she'll help you through it. It's such an easy thing to do. A lot of people are afraid to do it. Uh, once you do it a couple times and you understand how the process works, it's simple. And um, not to mention by going through Reptiles Express you're going to save a lot of money. So if you tried to do it on your own, it would, you're going to be paying big bucks to ship something but overnight that way. But if you do it through Reptiles Express, you're going to get a very substantial uh, uh, discounted rate for your shipping. So uh, I also did a video about it a while ago, uh, just an overview video on my YouTube channel that you guys can check out. So Reptiles Express just signed up for a year uh, sponsor contract with us, which is, I don't know, just it made my year. It really did. I love all these sponsors. These are great businesses and breeders that I fully stand behind and recommend and willing to put my own reputation on, on theirs. So that's what I'm very happy about that. All right. A um, couple more things before we get started. I, uh, I have a confession to make all of you live on the air today. I admit it. I am completely and totally addicted to geckos. I really, really am. <laughs> 
I love geckos. I can't get enough of them. And maybe there will be support groups in the future for people like us. Uh, we'll see. I hope so. And uh, if you're listening to, the, to my voice right now, chances are you're either addicted to geckos or you're going to be soon. There's something about them that is it's just amazing. Even, I know, Elsa's saying, me too, yep. I know all you guys are. <laughs> um, there's something, you know, reptile, being, being someone that's into reptiles or into herpetoculture or herpetology, we, we like reptiles, we love them. But when you refine your taste and you start exploring the different types of animals that you can keep, I'm telling you, geckos, there's something about geckos that stand out and are just a little bit, I don't know if, what the right word is, cooler or better than a lot of the other ones to keep, but something about them. <laughs> I mean, so much so that I suffer with an incredible mealworm allergy to keep my geckos. In fact, here's an update for you. Yesterday, uh, I was getting ready for the show, packing up my animals and everything, and, uh, of course, my mealworm allergy was going strong. I couldn't breathe, so I went to the doctor yesterday, and... Uh, you know, I, I didn't want to tell him exactly what I did, but I told him I was around mealworms a lot, and and he uh, he was very surprised with how bad my breathing was. They gave me a shot of prednisone in my butt, which was great. Uh, I hated that. <laughs> and uh, they gave me antibiotics, and they also gave me prednisone pills, which are making me kind of jumpy, and I'm feeling like, like I got a lot of energy because it's like a steroid. I'm not really crazy about how I'm feeling, but I kind of needed that extra energy today. I didn't sleep there last night. But anyway, the long story, the, the short end of the story is the fact that I suffer for my geckos. I suffer for my animals. We all do. If you guys are keeping a large amount of animals, any kind of animals, uh, we really do suffer for these animals because we love them so much. If you are someone that's coming into the gecko community or into the reptile community in general, and you can relate to what I just said, you have to check out Gecko Forums. Gecko Forums is... Well, listen to this. Did you know that since 2006, there's been a treasure trove of history and information on leopard geckos and other species? Well, Gecko Forums is the most extensive database of leopard gecko history on the web right now. Take a look and delve into the past, present, and future of this great community. The biggest contributors, breeders, and hobbyists have left their mark there. Now it's your turn. Look, learn, and post away. Need a place to post animals for sale? Look no further. Visit geckoforums.net and become a member today. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to be the official radio show associated with Gecko Forums. That's right. We are proud. And we're not going to waste any more time, and we are going to go ahead and bring on our esteemed guest, Michelle, breeding leopard geckos since 2007. She vends at shows. She's got amazing projects. Michelle, you are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey, everybody. How are you tonight, Michelle? Um, pretty good. How are you? Doing good. <laughs> doing good. I got to tell you, you have some incredible taste in geckos, in leopard geckos. That's for sure. Thank you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about um, rampant reptiles? Tell us about uh, you yourself and... Uh, about how you got interested in, in leopard geckos. Well, um, I know the story sounds kind of the same with everybody, but um, you know, I've always loved <laughs> animals. Um, <laughs> um, always will. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, like, as a kid, I wasn't super into reptiles. You know, I was more into the, the little fuzzies and cats, dogs, whatever. 
Um, and actually fish. Fish is where I started. But um, you know, as I got older, um, I don't know why, but I just I decided I'm getting a leopard gecko. So I went to Petco, picked one up. Um, that was back in 2005. And I still have um, the gecko that I got. Um, and uh, it just you know blew up from there. But, um, yeah, so I didn't so when, start um, getting breeding stock until 2007. Um, I started going to shows. Like I went to Hamburg and met, I met uh, JMG Reptile and um, and all that. So that's cool. Um, and so, what what was it that made you um, take the plunge into, or how did you discover more or less the uh, the finer side of leopard geckos from when you you know, you've got your. I, I got one of my first geckos at Pekka too. You know, it's no harm in that. Um, when, what made you? What was the trigger that, you know, got you into where, where you started seeking out the better animals? Um, well, I actually I uh, I moved in with my uh, you know, boyfriend, long-term boyfriend at the time, and uh, he was into snakes and I was into geckos, and we decided we were going to start a uh, you know breeding project business, whatever you want to call it. And uh, so we started going to shows and picking up animals. And, uh, um, you know, the leopard gecko stuff really took off for me. Um, and he didn't end up breeding the snakes, which is weird, but whatever. And um, so I held on to rampant reptiles. Um, and, you know, I've been doing, uh, you know, breeding ever since. So you kicked him to the curb and, and kept the name for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> That's cool. No, Rampant Reptiles, I like that. That's a cool name. Um, well, you know, it, it's a very similar story. Uh, a lot of people get started. Uh, some people, some of the, the I guess the you'd call it the, um, the long or more serious breeders kind of, I don't know if it's patience. They don't seem to have too much patience for new people that come on board sometimes. And, uh, you know, we all started out somewhere. And a lot of the stories are the same where, you know, I got this gecko at Petco, what morph is it? Uh, do you get that a lot in, in your uh, in your circles, Michelle? Um, yeah, well, um, especially when I used to be in gecko forums a lot. Um, yeah, that was the place to go for me when I first started out. I learned a lot from that place. I highly recommend people go there. You probably see some of my posts on there. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I used to, like, there's a, a section on there where um, it was about morphs and people going, oh, what's this morph, what's this morph? And I just, I kind of, like, turned it into a game. Like, okay, so I see this gecko. I want to know what morph it is. I go look it up. Um, and that's how, you know, one of the ways I learned. It's like repetition of, you know, seeing gecko and then finding out what the morph is. Um, hmm, interesting. So. That's cool. Um, you know, like when I when I first got, I mean, I've been into reptiles since I'm eight years old, and I I first bred geckos and leopard geckos when I was a teenager. But when I first got heavily into the morphs, which is about four and a half years ago, I think around five years, I don't know for sure, but um, it took me about a whole year, Michelle, to figure out exactly. I still don't even know exactly how all the genes work because I I feel like I learn more as I actually breed them and see the outcomes. But it took me about a year <laughs> to figure out all the morphs that we had you know, where to get them, um, you know, who, who the good breeders are, 
And then it took me the next, the whole second year to figure out, okay, well, when I put this gene with that gene, I'm going to get this outcome. And like you, I think I, well, I don't know about you. You seem to have done a lot of your own research, and so did I, but I think I, I bothered a lot of people asking a lot of questions. <laughs> but uh, did you ask a lot of questions, or did you try to figure it out all by yourself? Oh, no, definitely. I did ask a lot of questions. Um, when I first started out, I didn't get Berhine and Morphs, though, either. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I stuck with, like, bungalows and super hypotangerines and, and that stuff. I mean, a lot of the high-end stuff that's out now wasn't even out then. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I think Eclipses and Raptors were, like, kind of still, like, too expensive to actually buy at the time. And that was kind of before Enigmas a little bit. And <laughs> But, uh, that's, that's cool. That's before my time. That's before I got involved. That's, so I think you'll be able to share some interesting insights uh, on that with us tonight. That's cool. All right. Well, before we get into the full uh, full part of your interview, we have our news anchor on the line. We're going to go ahead and bring on Steve. Good evening, Gekonians. There he is. What's hey. up, Steve? going on? Uh, not too much. Just sitting here chatting with Michelle. Uh, what do you got for us tonight? Uh, before we start the news, I have more legislation that USARC has notified us about. So if you guys All right. don't know, we gotta, check out yeah, we gotta get it over with. USARC.org. Yeah. So okay. Oregon, Maryland, and Indiana all have bills going in that have to do with reptiles or exotic animals. So I'm not going to go into all the bill detail. Go to usarc.org, and you can look up your state, if that one of those are your state, and see what's going on. But that's Indiana, Maryland, and Oregon. So that's, I think I listed four last week. So here's three more bills. Well, you know what? Before let me just jump in for a second. Everybody that's listening, just pretend that it's going to happen in every single state because it is. Okay. Yeah. So get so get ready for it. Um, Steve, during the week I was thinking, and I didn't call you or text you about this, but I'm going to put this to Michelle. I'm going to put this to the people in the chat room. Um, you know, we we do we do bring this this news to you about these legislation topics, and it can be a real downer. And I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. It has affected my new mood and has gotten me just a little nervous sometimes hearing some of the things that are happening. Um, and, and I feel it's beneficial to make sure that everybody knows about what's going on. So I want to put it out to all of you guys out there. Do you think it's beneficial that we keep bringing this news to you, or do you feel that it's a downer and, you know, it affects the mood of the show? Because I, I'd like your feedback, everybody, to, to make a decision, decision on this, because at the, like I said, at the same point, I feel it's, we need to tell you about it. But on another note, I don't want it to be like a negative thing where it just makes everybody want to jump off the roofs, you know. So, <laughs> so I'll wait for your I'll wait for your responses in the chat room. And if you guys want to want to talk about it this week, you know, I'll make a post in the group about it, and uh, we can discuss it a little bit. But go ahead, Steve. All right, so. The most frequent story in the news this week, and I'm just going to read a whole bunch of titles. I'm not even going to tell you about the article. Titles say it all. 
So, <laughs> monster, 18-foot python killed. 18-foot python found in Florida. 18-foot long monster python caught in Florida. The list goes on and on. I mean, I, I literally have 25 different titles, and there was probably hundreds of stories about an 18-foot python that wasn't 18 feet captured or killed in Florida. So, and my favorite, my favorite out of all of them, because a group of engineers found and killed the python, was, I'm an engineer, not a snake wrangler. Another 18-foot python in Florida. That was my favorite title out of all of them. <laughs> but you can go in and type type in 18-foot python, and you're going to find hundreds of articles about the same story that happened, I think, four days ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Then our next article... Should there be constrict or stricter rules for owning constrictors? According to the article and many of the comments to it, yes. <laughs> so I'm going to leave that one there, too. Uh. So, now, heading into some good news. <laughs> uh, scientists have developed a simple immune-based screening test to identify the presence of a fatal disease that strikes boas and pythons in captivity. The deadly disease affecting snakes is called inclusion body disease, or IBD. So that's a good that's good news. They found a simple way to screen for IBD. So that's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. They haven't figured out anything to fix uh, reptile dysfunction yet, though, right? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe in the future. <laughs> All right. And, uh, <clears throat> oh, by the way, a massive 18-foot python was captured in, <laughs> in the Florida Everglades. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next story. <laughs> Snakes at the airport. A North Carolina airport security officer caught a woman trying to smuggle five rattlesnakes on board in her carry-on bag. <clears throat> the woman was arrested and faces fines up to $10,000 and possible three years in prison for trying to smuggle rattlesnakes. It didn't say what kind. That's crazy. She wanted snakes on a plane. I guess yep. so. <laughs> All right. And our next story, the KVUE News Defenders team uncovered a growing online impacting online industry impacting Texas native species. They discovered multiple native wild species for sale on Craigslist around the central Texas area just in the past week. And these online sales have severely depleted native species populations. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and levee engineers discover an 18-foot python. 
<laughs> I, I've got like a million of these things. So, <laughs> okay. And in the UK, police are hunting for a six-foot crocodile after the reptile was spotted underneath a bridge. Two sightings so far, and they have not caught caught the crocodile. But it's a six-foot crocodile in the UK. In the UK, wow! How did they? In the UK, there? yeah, yep. In Where the about? UK. Interesting. Probably got it at the yeah. Hamburg show. No, I should probably yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right, and the coolest story of the night, titled New Flora and Fauna Species Found in Malaysia. Botanists have discovered two new plant species and a new species of gecko in Malaysia. The bent mm. Yeah, the bent-toed gecko is almost three inches long, has five dark bands on its body, and seeks refuge in cracks on the limestone rocks. So that's, I always like... You know, telling us about a new gecko is like introducing a drug addict to more drugs, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's cool, though. Thanks. They look pretty cool. And our last story, monster 18-foot python killed in Florida <laughs> was big enough to swallow an adult human. Another, oh another title of an article about the 18-foot python in Florida. Okay, so our, our recap, and one of the stories are fake. Mm-hmm. There was hundreds of monster 18-foot Python killed stories. Then our next one is, should there be stricter rules for owning constrictors? Next story is tackling deadly snake disease, IBD. Snakes at the airport. Illegal wildlife sales impact Texas species. UK police hunt for six-foot crocodile and then new flora and fauna species found in Malaysia. That's our recap. Okay. All right. Uh, Michelle, you are our guest tonight. And ladies first, you're going to get first crack at figuring out which one of those stories is false. Um, let's see here what the chat room people have to say. Go ahead, everybody. Which which one do you think is the false story? Um, so what do you think, Michelle? Uh, yeah, I was going to say the croc story, too. The croc is a croc? <laughs> Yeah, that's what okay. people in the chat are saying. Okay, yeah, everybody in the... All right. Um, hmm. I, I also, you know, I, I like the... I think that could be true, and... But I guess it could be false. I think the woman that's taking venomous snakes on the plane is just crazy. You know, like, mm-hmm. what if one of those... You know, just one of those things kind of goes through somehow and jabs her a little bit? I mean... That just sounds too risky, but then stupider things have been done by people too. But I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little different. Most of everybody, Angela's saying croc. Everybody, Brooke is saying rattlesnake. Hmm. Sean's going with the croc as a croc. It seems like most people in the chat room want to go with the croc story as the croc. So I'm gonna be a little different, and I'm gonna say the rattlesnake smuggler is the false story. What say you, Steve? You got it, Dave. The rattlesnake. Oh, finally! Is, 
Oh. Yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. so there is cro- a crocodile in the UK. That's that's pretty interesting. See, you know yeah, what? I, Truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah, I was kind of <laughs> shocked to hear that. Yeah, wow, that's that's amazing. Well, so where in the UK? Uh, hold on, I can tell you. It's like so vague. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> Yeah, I try to try to just keep them simple to get it all in there, but oh, okay. Let's see. Yeah, hey, I know people in the UK. I, a couple of my geckos live in the UK. They could be in danger. Oh, cool. <laughs> all right, it says Bristol's Coronation Bridge was the first spotting. <laughs> Bristol. Okay. Hmm. All right. Okay. Well, we're going to have all these stories posted for you guys on the Get Go Nation Radio Facebook page. So if you want, if you guys want to explore them a little further and you know check them out, definitely, uh, definitely do that. Um, in the meantime, I'm hearing some some noise in the background here. It is. And now a moment in herp history. All right. On July 5th, 1987, it was reported that alligators would be removed from the endangered species list. And to give a history, unbridled hunting and trapping in Florida and other states throughout World War II depleted the reptile population severely until regulations were imposed in the 1940s and 50s. Then in 1962, hunting alligators in Florida was banned. So after federal officials declared gators endangered, soon after federal officials declared gators endangered, and that was, like I said, it was reported on July 5th, 1987, that they would be removed from the endangered species list. So that's Hmm. awesome. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Cool. I love the Herp History segment. Yeah, Great I, job on that, Steve. I, I can't get enough of it. You know, it's I didn't know, you know, when. I knew they were at one point, but, you know. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm keeping a, I've got a hefty book going. So, <laughs> of uh, <laughs> news stories and uh, Herp History stuff. Well, you know what so we can I, do? I was thinking, I'm going to put together the website soon, and maybe we can have a whole section there of, you know, your news stories and also a section devoted entirely. You could have a whole tab, you know, for... Yeah, like a, a timeline or something. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that there should be a whole section of the website devoted just to you, just to the news. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll definitely coordinate something like that. I think that's going to be fun. But, uh, oh, so yeah. why don't you tell us a little about mm-hmm. uh, what's going on with, the, with your collection, Steve? Um, not too much yet. Uh, I just have the one clutch of milii in, in the incubator, and uh, they're good. The eggs look good. Yeah, they they appear to be good. Yeah, nice. I'm I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Awesome. I, I'm really yeah. enjoying them. I I told you cool. I got them uh, eating out of a dish, right? Yeah, you did. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, yep, glad I'm glad they're in your hands. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it in the in the collection right now. I'm, they're just all 
reading right now. I'm anxiously okay. waiting. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Before you know it, you'll be having your incubators will be filled up. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. All right. Well, um, I guess we'll we'll. Uh, I just want to thank you for for the news tonight, and uh, we'll look forward to hearing more from you next uh, Sunday. Why don't you give out your uh, information and any closing remarks, Steve? Um, you can check me out on Facebook and YouTube under BC Barker Creations. Okay, cool. And don't forget, everyone, donate to USARC, www.usarc.org, uh, and donate to the Legal Defense Fund. It's very important. Save our yeah. hobby, our whatever you want to call it, our lifestyle. You know, It's a passion for most of us. Help us save it. It's going to take money. And that's the only thing that's going to help save it is money. So, definitely. All right, Steve. We will see you again uh, next Sunday. And next Sunday is the episode with John on wild types. So, that should be a fun one. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you. We'll see you next weekend. We'll see you there. Thanks. All right. Thanks for being on, Steve. Thank you. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, Gotta love Steve. He does a great job with the news. Really puts a lot into it. Um, Steve makes a puts a lot of time into our videos for uh, our promo videos for our guests. Just incredible work for the show. Um, he's a, he's a huge asset to what we're trying to do here for the community. So um, gotta love that guy. All right, Michelle. Let's get back into our interview. And um, when, when we left off, we were talking a little bit about your beginnings, so to speak, in in this uh, this hobby or this community, and I think it's a good place to start. And yeah, your your story of how you got involved is very similar to a lot of them, but I don't think we ever get tired of hearing it because it's something we all can relate to on some level. Um, when you were in those beginning stages and you were, you know, trying to find information and trying to figure out, you know, your morphs and how the genes work. Um, can you tell us a little bit about some of your struggles and maybe some frustrations that you had and um, share some insight to people that are now at your at the at that level where you were in 2007? It's hard to remember back. It was so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I, I don't remember being super overwhelmed with all the morphs and learning them. I'm not sure why. Maybe I just, I'm wired that way to pick that stuff up or easily or something like that. But um, what I actually um, had a hard time with was um, finances. Um, it's extremely expensive to you know, get started as a breeder. And, uh, you know, it was, um, it was right after I got out of college and they moved in with, uh, you know, my boyfriend at the time who lived in a different state. And so um, I uh, I had, like, my first credit card, and I overcharged the card without even, like, thinking about, you know, how to pay um, it all back. And it literally took me years to um, get out of the credit card debt. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, I've been there. That, that would, I know what that's Yeah, like. that would... I would definitely recommend, uh, you know, people not to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but we're addicted. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
um, yeah, I went out and I, I bought a bunch of geckos from um, a guy um, who lived in Pennsylvania, but um, and I got like a bunch of geckos from JMG Reptile, um, and uh, just started breeding. But um, yeah, I made sure to like pick out ones that um, it made sense, you know, to put together. I didn't just like you know willy nilly. You know, pick oh, blazing blizzard, and uh, you know, um, raining red stripe, or whatever. I didn't, you know, I, I bought groups that made sense. You know, a group of sunglows, trooper sunglows, and a group of super hyper tangerines, and stuff like that. But anyway, interesting. Um, one of the things, one of the things that I noticed most when I when I look at your Facebook page, and uh, I posted it in the Gecko Nation group, is that that one picture that just just captivates me, and it's your—it's basically your hand holding three, just bright, plump, beautiful, colorful fat. Are they fascios, I think, or crosses? What are those? Yeah, uh, they're uh, Max Snow fascio crosses. Those are beautiful. Um, uh. They're um, like a project in the works right now. I'm trying to create like um you know maximum eclipses and, and total eclipses that have, you know, a higher percentage of fascio blood. Um so um last season I took what you know, I guess what you call a a pure, um, you know, some argument about how like the pures aren't actually pure. But whatever. For argument's sake I'm saying they're hundred percent um, you know, fascio blood or whatever kind of subspecies you have. Um, mm-hmm. And I crossed the pure fascio to my uh, maximal eclipse fascio, which was uh, mm-hmm. yes, fifty percent bloodline. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so all those offspring have seventy-five percent blood. Okay. And then I'm crossing them back to their father. So interesting. Um, somewhere in between there, but, um, yeah, but you know, know, over like time like they'll get more and more and more. Right, right. I'd like to hear more about your your um, your findings with the fascios, in it, with with the fasciolus in particular, because um, it's it's my favorite of the subspecies. And I I haven't worked with some of the more obscure ones, of course. But um, between when it comes to like from what I've seen of the Turks and the Afghanicus and uh, the Montanus, I find that the fasciolus are just the most appealing to me and. Um, I, in my own work here, I've noticed what it can do with mm-hmm. with the snows, how it messes with the snow genes a little bit and breaks it up and sometimes lightens it. It almost gives it an enigmaish look sometimes in in some cases. But what were your what are your observations with the with the pure efasciolatus gene and when it's mixed with with what you're working with? Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I just love the look of them, um, and I think they were just they were made to be mixed with snows. Um, they, yep. they, you know, combine really, really well with them, and they look um, super nice. They're really nice um, kind of pale, like, lavender colors and yellows. And um, I also like, you know, their head structure. Um, they just look really cute and friendly to me, um, and kind of big and boxy looking, I guess. Um, or as opposed warning, to, you right? know... Yeah, uh, like, you know, Afghans, they seem to be, like, you know, long, pointy faces. 
Like their yeah. noses are kind of more narrow and stuff. Um, but to me, they look kind of mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, with the fascias, I don't get that. I think they're they look, you know, kind of nice and innocent, and not like they're going to bite my head off or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Yeah, and I I like the fact that they're just robust. They for so far, what you know, the pairings that I've made were pretty interesting. With and the results, uh, I'm very pleased with everything that I paired. Mm-hmm. Pure fasciolatus too. Um, and you were saying earlier that there's, there's, there may be some discrepancy about uh, purity. What, what have you heard? I, I haven't heard anything about that. Um, well, I guess, um, like, when they were originally you know, wild-caught, um, they had to, you know, cross them to other animals, and which may have, made, may have and, um, you know, a different subspecies, maybe like macularis or whatever. And so in that respect, they may not be pure fascios or pure whatevers. Um, and then they were imported over to the U.S. So that's so, a rumor that's being carried over from, from Europe? Um, I'm not exactly sure um, if it's true or not or... I mean, that's something that um, several breeders in the U.S. have been saying. Um, I don't want to name names or anything, but... Um, no, that's okay. Of course. Okay. But... Hmm. Uh, All right. So it's not to the extreme where uh, you're breeding anybody's bred pure fascios and they're hatching out raptors or anything like that, I would think. Is it? Is there anything no, like that going on? No. <laughs> no. But okay. um, I've heard of, like, you know... Um, some breeders do, you know, if they buy what they would, what is labeled as, you know, a pure, whatever, um, pure subspecies, that they are actually test breeding them before they. But I haven't been doing that. I just, I would, you know, it would be a huge waste of time to me. I think. Um, mm-hmm. uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not that I'm nervous because you know it's not, it's nothing that's been confirmed. Um, they, from what I can tell. Visually, they're they're unique. Okay, they're definitely different. Mm-hmm. You know how they, you know their size, their looks. Right, uh, we agree on that. So, suppose you know five, ten years ago or whatever, it was crossed with a Montana somewhere along the line. Uh, now it has become its own unique, uh, I guess, subspecies for lack of a better word, its own project where they they have a signature look to them. Um, I, I think it stands stands to stands alone as its own valuable addition to what we have, it, no matter what it is. You know, I would think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I like. I think there might be a bit of a you know catch twenty two in that. Um, you know, since they do look quite a bit different than um, other subspecies, even when you cross them, you know, they, you, that look still comes out. So how mm-hmm. would you really know how pure the cross is or the parent? Right. Right. Even uh, in the first generation, it's it's vis- it's visibly noticeable. Like you know, Marsha McGinnis mm-hmm. and her her now famous Mac fascios. Um, those. I mean, you've seen them. I'm sure they're 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 yeah. they're, they're amazing. They're amazing, and they yeah, look Marcia's, great. And that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have, you got, had, have you gotten any from her? 
Uh, unfortunately, no. Um, yeah, I, I keep a very small collection, and um, you know, I got my pure fascio from um, Steve Sykes over at Geckos, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And my uh, my Maximal Eclipse fascio, um, I actually got him from Oregon Gecko. I don't know if you remember him. Yes, I do. Yep. Eric. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah, I just I fell in love with him that gecko and I just I had to have him so um, yeah he's been a great gecko he's one of my favorites uh, so that's like your founding your founding male for your your fascio stuff um, yeah um, I actually I originally got him um, to cross into my total eclipses because um, mm-hmm. I wanted to you know, um, bring out more like you know the white face stuff and um, I you know, I started my total eclipses. The the male I had was a Mac Rafter, and mm-hmm. I wanted to breed the Tremper out of it. So I was looking for, you know, a, a pure total eclipse or maximal eclipse or something like that. And this is the male that I found, the, the maximal eclipse. It's a fashion. Nice. Male. Nice. These Have you ever thought of had Tremper? But, okay. Um, I'm still test breeding him. Okay. No, that's that's cool. It's going to take time. I I I understand that. And that's definitely one of the things that um, I can appreciate because I know that's years. When you when when any when any breeder out there says I'm testing something, that means just put three four years next to that sentence because that's exactly what it is. And uh, I can yeah. respect that. <laughs> um, I find in the in sometimes uh, Michelle, I've I've in my own uh, ponderings about combos and stuff. I've often thought about um, trying to just mix the subspecies, like like make a E. fasciolatus Afghanicus that's showing 100% of both traits, and I often wonder what that would look like. Have you ever heard of anyone doing anything like that? Uh, no, not really. Um, I know people have crossed some things, but not tried to you know, make them 100% or, you know, haven't crossed them over several generations. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that might be interesting. Maybe get some kind of funky, like, uh, you know, the swirly patterns that sometimes you see on Afghans and get that mm-hmm. onto, like, a you know, the longer kind of lavender yellow fascio. I don't know. It would just be cool. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think there's some kind of potential there, possibly. Um, watch, everybody's going to start doing that now, but no, that's cool. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's fine. I, I don't, you know, I'm not holding back. I don't really hold any secrets back, really. Well, a few things. But, um, but yeah, I just, I, I figured it'd be interesting. Uh, I, I, I'm a purist, though, as far as things go, and the most, for the most part, I, you know, I would prefer to keep them pure. But I also have this side of me that loves the mm-hmm. obscure and weird stuff, too. And, um, you know, I can appreciate just about, any anything that that someone's vision can make, so to speak. Um, so, you know, besides your fascias, what do you think would be your most signature project, the one that you're most proud about? Um, well, I totally clipped this. Your, your <laughs> okay. Tell us, tell us a little um, bit about, about them. Um, they kind of converged at one point, and they were one project, but now I'm separating them back out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to have total eclipses that have, you know, they have some fascio in them, you know, 
way back a couple generations ago, but okay. are not going to be. I'm not going to be labeling labeling them you know, strictly as fascio bloodline because you know. Once you get to the point where it's like, oh, I've got twelve and a half percent fascia or whatever, like, it's it's not yeah. even worth labeling anymore. It's it's not it's not really fascia anymore. Right. <laughs> exactly. So. <laughs> no, that's you know I kind of think that the fascia is almost in some cases with the super snows from what I see, even showing fifty percent of it, it it almost looks like a hypo effect. Have you noticed that? Um. I have produced some really, really light-colored ones. Right. But, well, that's what um, I mean. It, it kind of lightens them, lightens them up. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, okay. the lightest one I produced um, was before I crossed the fascia into them. Oh, really? Okay. Kind of weird. Yeah. It was just a random I know some thing. other some other people have been producing them. Like Ron Tremper has been producing them, but not really selling them. Um, mm-hmm. And. I think there may be some confusion out there when you start crossing, like, total eclipses with white and yellows, and then you get these really light-looking total eclipses that you think are white and yellows, but maybe they're just really light total eclipses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of things that are going to have to be sorted out with those types of projects coming up in the next couple of years. I'm going to try to stay out of that mayhem. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be interesting to, to sit back and watch, I'm sure. Um, it's funny. Uh, let's see. You know, some of the other things that I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, being on a, being a smaller scale reader, um, do you have any special husbandry methods that you've developed, you know, particular for your own collection? And uh, before we get into some more of your projects, but I'd like to hear a little bit about maybe any, like, little tricks to your own uh, trade, so to speak, that you do or... Um, ways of keeping your geckos that you'd like to share? Um, you know, not really. Like, I don't think of my husbandry as being anything special. Like, I mean, obviously I clean and, and feed and all that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I don't feed every day or every other day like some people do. I, I typically only feed about once a week. Um, especially okay. with adults. I mean, with new babies more often or, you know, geckos that are just eating way too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yep. But um, I also, I keep my animals all separate. I don't um, I don't keep them together. I don't harem breed or any of that stuff. I just, I feel like um, it's easier to keep an eye on them. And um, I also kind of feel like they have a closer bond with people, you know, like when you're the only interaction that they get, they're going to bond to you more than if they were with another gecko, you know? Interesting. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I, yeah, you're right. I, I've noticed that I can't always do that through the space here, but I do have a lot of females uh, that live by themselves, and yeah, they, they do definitely relate to me differently. Usually the, uh, the groups of females are just running and hiding when I open the tub. It's similar to, like, um, with when you keep uh, pet birds. Um, if you keep them in a community, they will, you know, bond to each other. But if you mm-hmm. keep them separate, then they will bond more to you as a person. Because yeah. you're, like, their um, social interaction. You're, you're their um, you know, group or whatever. And, and how important do you think that type of stimulation is 
to a gecko. There's been some controversy, or not controversy, but there's been some discussion, even in the Gecko Nation group recently, about the actual intelligence of leopard geckos in particular. Um, in your experience, how how smart do you think they are, Michelle? Um, as reptiles, and I guess you call um, simple animals, I think they're highly intelligent. Um, I wouldn't say I could go out and teach them to go fetch or anything like that, but um, <laughs> um, they definitely learn and they 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 know things. Um, they have you know intellectual capacity to um, remember at least um, at least instinctually or something. Like you know um, a baby gecko, if they go and eat too much, they'll get sick and then they won't do that again. Mm-hmm. So. Have you noticed anything like like weird that your own geckos have done that that just kind of like shocked you or amazed you or maybe changed the way you thought about their intelligence level? Um, not off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, well, something to the effect like I was I was mentioning last week that I think it was last week that um, I was a little lax and I forgot to put calcium in my one female she lives by herself in her bowl and I forgot to do that and um, it was only a couple days where she didn't have it but her way of telling me to give her calcium was to take the one thing that she had to mark that empty bowl with and that was her poop and she for the first <laughs> time in that she ever did she pooped in it and that was her way I know I'm convinced that that was her way of saying hey look at this it's empty you know, because she doesn't have a Sharpie there or she doesn't have a cell phone to say, hey, Dave, give me calcium. So she went ahead and pooped in that bowl, and she never did that before. And I'm convinced that was her way of getting my attention. Have you ever noticed anything like that with yours? Um, not so much. Actually, what comes to mind is, like, um, you know, babies, they're super hyperactive and hissing at you and stuff like that. And... um you know, over time, they learn to trust you. And um, even just, like, sticking your hand in there and stuff, they get used to you and things like that. I mean, there's definitely some intelligence going on. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, that's that's cool. I And I think it's something that we all learn uh, with hands-on experience exactly, you know, how smart our animals are, and I think it varies by animal, and um, I, and I think it varies by the keeper too, and and basically how much uh, how much you're going to put into trying to relate to your specific animal. If you're just going to, you know, leave it in its tank and not really bother with bother it, I'm sure it's not really not going to think too much of you. But if you actually, you know, take the time to interact with it, and and, um, and that's that's what I wanted. Yeah, we, we I think we got a little sidetracked. How important do you think that interaction is to the individual geckos, Michelle? Like, do you think it's it's a uh, it's something that helps their 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 life in captivity? Something that that stimulus is needed and beneficial to them, and is over overall for their mental and physical well-being, perhaps? Yeah, definitely. They need you know um, stimulation and um, if they're in like a little tub and that's their whole world then bringing something else in there is definitely going to improve their, you know, their quality of life. Um, they're, you know, 
um, just uh, interacting with them, bringing them out, and letting them crawl on you or whatever. Um, you know, probably like one of the highlights of their day. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yep. Um, no, exactly. I agree. I agree with you. I couldn't agree more. I definitely think think it's beneficial to them. Um, you know, and of course in nature they wouldn't have those experiences, and but they're not living in nature. And I would I would even go so far as to say that at some point these will be more or less domesticated. If not, if not, they already are. I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think we've pretty much domesticated some of these geckos? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah? definitely. Okay. Um, I mean, there's no way that these uh, geckos could really survive very long in the wild. Uh, at least some of them, anyway. Um, there's some that are just, uh, like, that gecko needs to go back to the Middle East. Because <laughs> it's just crazy. <laughs> but. Yeah. No, yeah, that's, it's like there's a big difference between the, the personalities of subspecies types, like Afghanicus and even so even the Fasciolatus I've noticed they're just a little bit little they got that little wild streak in them. But then when I go to a when I go to handle a raptor or a uh, you know, a sunglow, it's like it's night and day. It's like a different attitude. Have you noticed that? Um, yeah, definitely. even um within um the uh, you know, subspecies or whatever, there is variation too. Like, you know, some people have said Oh, Afghans are like super lovey and they're just really nice. And um, I've had some really crazy Afghans. So I think it depends on, um, you know, whatever kind of uh, attitude that's, or um, whatever uh, mm-hmm. that their parents uh, pass on. Um, I think it's actually somewhat genetic. Um, it's not just environmental, but it, it's both. Um, yeah. You know, just look at blizzards. There's just some really crazy blizzards. I was just gonna say uh, all their offspring <laughs> yep. are crazy, but there there are some nice ones too. But that's Marsh's fault. All those crazy blizzards are all from Marsh's line. From some at some <laughs> point, <laughs> we can blame her for that. Yeah, she was, she was actually She was actually telling us that uh, I think it was uh, I'm not sure which show, but she was telling us that she was experimenting with the genes like with the personality types, like how to try to breed for a certain personality. But from what I can tell, they all got this flighty, you know, for lack of a word, better word, like bitchy attitude. And that's what it just seems to me. But I kind of find it endearing in, in a sense too, where like I know that when I go to my my blizzards, like I know that they're going to act that way. And it's kind of kind of cute to me. I don't know. Do you, you're, do you have the blizzards? Do you have blizzards that act like that, I guess? Um, yeah, I'm actually getting out of blizzards because I'm, I'm tired of their attitude. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> That's funny. I, I like nicer geckos. I don't want to have to deal with, like, oh, it's going to bite me. <laughs> <laughs> and so you have, I guess you have nothing left trying to breed that out of them, perhaps, huh? Um, yeah, I... Not really. Like, over the years, I've had different blizzards. Um, you know, from different people and different lines, I guess. And um, uh, I had a blazing blizzard a long time ago. She was really nice. And then I had some Diablo Blancos, and they were okay. And then the Diablo Blancos I just had were crazy. So I'm done with them. <laughs> it seems like it seems like Marsh's crazy blizzard 
gene is passing on to a lot of people because the, they're even talking about it in the chat room. That's funny. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. Yeah, Marcia, you really you really did a number with these blizzards. Um, all right, Michelle, we're, we're at the halfway point, and we're going to take a quick break. And uh, I want to play the sponsor plug okay. for everybody. And check out check out our sponsors, and please, everyone, uh, take advantage and make sure when you when you um, when you you know go to either buy a gecko from them or uh, get your meal orange for rainbow meal orange. Definitely mention Gecko Nation Radio. AB Dragons gives a five percent discount at checkout for Gecko Nation Radio listeners. Just type in the word gecko at checkout. You're going to get a discount. And uh, mention it to the other sponsors and see what they say. Um, these sponsors are happy to promote the show and definitely love to hear from, from our listeners. So check this out, everybody. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by Rainbow Mealworms is the largest worm grower in the world and selling to the public since 1956. If you need the highest quality mealworms, superworms, and crickets for your pets, contact them at www.rainbowmealworms.net. Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types, from white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook. abdragons.com is your source for the highest quality doobie roaches, whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps. abdragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt reptile heat tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out abdragons.com online and on Facebook. Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source for any reptile supply products that you may need from Exoterra, Zoomed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more. And all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. Contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com or Message me on Facebook, and I'll put you in touch with the owner. And if you're looking for quality food for your dubia roaches, crickets, mealworms, and superworms, look no further than MS2 Premium Insect Chow. Made with reptiles in mind, it contains no dog food, cat food, or chicken mash. Using only vegetable proteins and high-quality ingredients, MS2 Premium Insect Chow will have your feeders making a beeline for it. Contact ms 2 ent Dot .weebly.com or it can also be purchased at Rainbow Mealworms and AB Dragons. Okay, everybody, we are back. A quick note about uh, Marcy from MS2 uh, Premium Chow. She had her surgery last week and is in recovery, and uh, she's doing pretty good from what I can tell. Um, she doesn't, you know, it's not 100%, but uh, she is doing good, so uh, I'd like to definitely get you guys to send some more positive vibes her way, get her up and running at 100% efficiency as soon as possible. <laughs> that would be cool. Um, also, uh, a couple more sponsors that we have to add to our list, and that is 
Wally from Supreme Gecko. Uh, check out Wally. He's got some great micro geckos. He's got just amazing crusties, and he does a lot for the community. He's very he's, he's got a strong presence out there it's, um, on the internet, on Facebook, uh, SupremeGecko.com. Check him out. Great, just a great person, great breeder, and uh, does a lot of selfless, selfless things and gives back to the community on a regular basis. In fact, recently, thing where he promotes uh, new hobbyists and gives them uh, some exposure and gets you, you know, helps us get to know some of the new people coming into, into the world of geckos and reptiles in general. And uh, also uh, another sponsor on our list is OhioGecko.com. Uh, Thad also runs Gecko Forums. And uh, Gecko Forums is, of course, the best place to go if you're a gecko addict like we are and uh, you're not on Facebook. Facebook kind of stole a little action from Gecko Forums, but Gecko Forums is still strong. And uh, definitely check it out. Um, so, and, of course, OhioGecko.com. He is, uh, Thad is known for amazing tangerines. I saw him firsthand today at the White Plains show. Awesome. You're going to have some incredible stuff coming up uh, this upcoming season. He's got the greenish uh, emerine types. He's got some blood versions, blood red ones, and uh, bloodline uh, tangerines. Some really cool stuff. And uh, he's got some unique projects that are just very uh, special to his own collection, including his uh, fat tails that he calls his starbursts. So uh, very, very interesting work he's doing. I'm, I'm actually quite impressed. Um, also, uh, lastly, and our most newest sponsor is Reptiles Express. Reptiles Express is by far the best reptile animal shipping company that you can use to ship your animals. Uh, if you guys are new to the process, don't be scared. It's very easy to figure out, uh, especially if you have questions, call Debbie at Reptiles Express. She is a doll, and she will help you through it. They have the best rates. She is there 24-7 to monitor the, your package. If there's an issue, you're going to know. She's going to be on it right away. She's going to make sure that special attention is given to your animals. Sometimes people are worried about, you know, flight delays and weird things. It's very rare, but every once in a while, like a weird snowstorm will blow through and something will get delayed or whatever. She'll be right on it. She'll make sure that box is taken care of special. They'll find it amongst thousands of, thousands of boxes. They'll find that special box, and they'll get to it because she's on it. But um, definitely, definitely check out reptilesexpress.com. That's the only shipping company I use. I've been using them for about two years now for shipping all my geckos. So um, I was nervous at first, too, but it's, so, it's, it's painless. It really is. In, in fact, they, they, come, uh, they do their shipping through FedEx, so uh, you can have FedEx pick up your package at your, at your home so you don't even have to drop it off anywhere. So... I hope you guys take advantage of that. Please take advantage of amydragons.com and their discount. Uh, you get 5% off at checkout. Okay, definitely check that out. Also, uh, the second half of the show now with Michelle, we are going to take your calls. If you guys have questions for either myself or Michelle, you're welcome to call in. It can be anything related to geckos or anything you'd like to ask us is fine. The number is 646-478-5331. Again, it's 646-478-5331. Um, I know a lot of you guys are nervous about calling in. If you're if you're the type of person that gets nervous and you want to call in and ask a question, you can say, hey, Dave, uh, I have a question for you or Michelle, and then I'll listen off the air. And at that point, I'll know that you don't want to hang on the line, that you just want to 
uh, listen to the response to your question, you know, and just hang up and listen to it on the radio. And that's cool. You can do that. But if you'd like to hang on while your question is being answered, maybe you have a follow-up question, that's fine too. Just let me know. All right, I'd like to make you guys feel comfortable about calling in because, you know, it's the show's interactive and uh, we like callers. So definitely uh, call in, guys, if you'd like. All right, I'm going to – oh, one last thing I want to mention. Uh, Gecko Nation Radio and Herpentime Radio are a team. We help to promote each other. Uh, Herpentime Radio is just an amazing – These uh, Justin and JD do an amazing job. Get some really high-profile guests on their show. Uh, do just incredible interviews. Um, very, it's, it's one of my inspirations for creating Gecko Nation Radio. So check out Herp, Herpentime Radio on Blog Talk. And they're on Facebook, too. All right. All right. Let's get back with Michelle. Okay, Michelle, are you still with us? Yeah, barely. <laughs> okay. No, okay. Let me ask you, uh, do you know what this is? Do you know what kind of gecko this is? Is that a toke? Okay. Got it. <laughs> yep, that's a toke. <laughs> that's a toke right before it's about to bite you when you stick your hand in its tank. That's the noise it makes. <laughs> Just wanted to test your... Your gecko knowledge. Yes, everybody, she is definitely a gecko addict. She knew exactly what that was. Got to do that test. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Um, when we left off, we, we were we were talking about uh, some of your, your insights and stuff, and um, I, I'm going to – I'm going to – I'm trying to – I'll ask you, for the remainder of the interview, would you like to talk more about uh, your projects, or would you like to talk about some of – uh, the challenges and stuff that you you have that we have uh, as far as keeping and breeding animals. Um, what would you like to talk about, Michelle? Because we can go in any direction you like. Um, I don't care. No. <laughs> um, uh, projects, I guess. I mean, that's the stuff okay. that's. For fun. <laughs> okay, no, that's cool. That's cool. Um, Barry, you know, you were telling us a little bit about your total eclipses, and I, I, I see that you're putting a lot of work into them. When do you think you're going to be able to have a, a line of total eclipse that you'll know for sure is tremper free? Um. Well, the fascia. Um, I'm still. I'm testing this season. Um, I've got him. The maximum eclipse fascia. I'm testing him to a couple of trempers, um, super after and a neck tremper or something like that. Um, and so I think, um, you know, I'm pretty confident that um, after this season that I'll be able to say that they're, you know, tremper-free. I've crossed him to, you know, several head trempers and um, other trempers um, over the last couple of years, and I haven't produced any trempers from him. So... I'm I'm pretty confident right now that he's not head tremper, but I want to just you know 100% be certain. Um, right, and so now you have now how many refresh my memory? How many years do you have invested in this particular project now? Um, just a couple of years. I mean, not. Um, so this will be um, this will be year three, perhaps. Um, well, total eclipses I started in 2011. So. Okay. Uh, well, that's significant. That's almost five years, almost four years. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, that's see, that's the time that goes <laughs> into this, folks. You know. Um, so 
now, you know, we do see total eclipses offered for sale. A lot of them are possible at Trimper. And, uh, you know, those are fine. They're cool. The the, the whole uh, idea behind trying to make them that are uh, Trimper-free so that you consistently produce the same result without hitting on the albino form. Um, is it do you not want the trunk in there because you don't find the albino form appealing, or uh, is it just the, the fact that it will be more pure without it? What, what's the reasoning behind it? And uh, I know the answer, well, but I'd like to hear you, you say it. Yeah, um, well, I wanted to cross it into these different albino strains. Um, you know, I wanted to use, mm-hmm. I guess, what you call my bloodline of total clips, what I'm working with, um, and put that into bells and rainwaters. Because um, I think that, you know, different lines of total eclipses look different. Um, like uh, some that have come out of with uh, Ron Trapper's Abyssinian line, um, you know, they're very spotty. It's kind of similar to um, what mine looks like. Um, some of them are um, have bigger spots. They're more stripy looking. Um, but anyways, um, I think Super Raiders are awesome. And I've been trying to produce one for the last couple of years and just keep missing. And so I, I've i decided that this is the year, <laughs> if I have anything to do with it, which I do a little bit. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, I definitely want to produce a Super Radar this year. Um, That's awesome. I don't know if I'll get any, like, white-faced ones, but, you know, fingers crossed. Yeah, you know, it's funny. A lot of times when, when I hatch out Super Snows, I notice that, Sometimes they have white socks where there's no spotting. The babies, you know, they they have that grayish, dark gray appearance. But then I, I don't know if they're, if, I can't really tell if they're uh, a, a, a super snow eclipse or not sometimes when they hatch out. It, and, I, and it's not because I don't have a lot of experience hatching out uh, super snow eclipses, obviously, or else I know exactly what they look like. But the new piece, and I, get, I, I see people asking this question a lot, like, is this a super snow eclipse or not? Um, when a super snow eclipse hatches out, is it noticeable right from from the beginning, or do you have to actually wait for it to develop a little bit? Well, it kind of depends, um, you know, um, whether it has, you know, a, a white nose and things like that. Like, if the nose is not very white, then it's kind of iffy. Um, mm-hmm. But any of the ones that have a white nose or white face, do they hatch with that? And as they get older, it fills in a little bit or a lot. Um, okay. Now so we've seen a lot of variation. It yeah. is okay. We've seen a lot of variation in eclipses in general. Sometimes, do you think it's possible that you could hatch out a super snow eclipse and not know it, and it could just look like a normal super snow, or just be one that just isn't showing a lot of pied markings, perhaps? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I'll bet that's um, you know what they ended up producing years ago um, before total eclipses really became popular. Because um, they just look like super snows, and people are like, "Whatever, this isn't like all that great." <laughs> um, it wasn't until I think um, Ron Tremper really, you know, came out with the galaxy that um, it became really popular. Yep. Yeah, he's got that effect on morphs. That's for sure. Um, Marsha was telling us that you know they were hatching out, uh, you know, some greener geckos, and they. Not not so many people liked them, and then Ron was hatching them out. He decided, he, you know, he was the one that actually took notice and said, "Wow, look at this! This is different." And he began to, you know, market them as the Emmerines, which is which is cool because a lot of people mm-hmm. thought they were, you know, nothing special. And it was his he noticed the potential there. 
and uh, you know, I, I think it takes an eye, a keen eye, to see that. And that's that's my next question to you. Um, as far as you know, breeding, uh, actually making combos and basically selective breeding. Um, in my experience, you really have to have a keen eye for this in a lot of senses. Uh, do you feel that way? And um, like, what do you look for when you go to make your your selections as far as what you're going to pair to what? Um, well, it depends on the project, obviously. Um, I, le- I look for, um, you know, key things that interest me. Like, um, I've started working with um, reverse stripes, but ones that have the reverse stripe going all the way down into the tail, um, which is, you know, not something you see that, that often. But I think that looks mm-hmm. really cool. So I'm going to see if I can, you know, produce a bunch of them and do it consistently. Because I know they've been, like, sort of popping up randomly in people's projects, but I want to do that, like, um, consistently. So nice. um, yeah. I got a couple, and uh, I'm actually going to get a mail soon, and I'll play around with that. That's cool. Um, interesting, yeah. I, I, I've been, I asked out a few that show that, and actually they have, they have not too much fascial genes in them, probably like 15%. But they're they're interesting. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, I like the sound of that. Um, what else? What else? Uh, what other projects are you working on besides the the total eclipses that you think are more or less you know uh, one of your stronger projects, one of your more projects that you're very focused on? Um. Well. Hmm. I've actually went out and got a bunch of stuff that I've always just wanted to breed, um, like red stripes. I've always wanted to have them, so I went and bought a pair. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I got some funky jungles, so I'm going to nice. start breeding those. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Yep. Um, I got my first white and yellows, and I'm going to be breeding those. I've got um, Max Snow Bell white and yellow female. And then I've got um, a white and yellow Maxno pet tremper. So I've got, you know, a tremper line and a bell line. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to play with that. Um, I got my first raining, or my first rainwaters. Um, they're raining red stripes. And they are so cool. <laughs> I don't know, like, people that haven't actually seen them in person, they're a, um, a bino that actually has green on it, like real green. I think they're just, um, you know, really crazy looking um, people that, like, haven't seen them before. You should go out and at least go to a reptile show and see them in person because they're just really cool. Can you post a picture in the group for us? What's that? Would you be able to post a picture for us in the group? Um, Well, there's one in the video, but he was in shed. But, um, yeah, I can do that. That's um, the one like that later. I posted in the uh, slideshow? Yeah. Okay, yeah, maybe when he gets done shedding. Yeah. <laughs> he looks cool just like yeah. that. It looks like a snow version. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but yeah. Uh, okay, well, it looks, like, it looks like we have a caller on the line. I'm not sure. I think they're um, uh, calling uh, to us uh, to ask a question. Let's go ahead and take this call. Caller from the... Uh, from the Oh no, they just dropped off. What happened? 
Oh, no, they, they weren't. It, 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 these are people listening. My bad. I thought it was somebody who was calling in for a question. You guys are welcome to call yeah. in, or if you guys want to ask your questions in the group, that's cool, too. Okay. All right. Um, now, you, start, you said that you started vending at shows. Uh, how long have you been vending for? Um, just a couple years, not very long. Um, I've actually haven't been doing that much vending. Like most of my sales are online mm-hmm. or local or whatever. Um, I went to um, or I've been vending at a couple of the local shows, you know, um, near me, and uh, they're kind of smaller and um, they're not super leopard gecko friendly. So I haven't done that well at those shows, and I'm, I'm going to try and branch out and go to some shows that are further away, that are bigger, and um, you know, that I could get more involved with um, you know, other people that are interested in leopard gecko morphs and things like that. Um, what do you mean that they're not, I did they're actually, not friendly? What do you mean they're not too uh, leopard gecko friendly? It's either like, you know, really low-end stuff, or they're like I um, I joined up a Facebook group that's for you know uh, reptiles and like local uh, in the area like locally, <laughs> and a lot of the people are like purists. They don't believe in morphs and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. kind of weird. Huh. I just I got this vibe that like they didn't really want me there. <laughs> you know, I, well I think that's like a closed-minded mentality in a way, but. I can I can respect it. I mean, I'm I'm a purist in the sense where I can appreciate the pure pure lines, but I also am open minded open minded enough to appreciate the morphs as well. So I guess that's like a benefit to be able to like both. But I'm kind of glad that I'm not only you know strictly a purist. Um, I think that's kind of boring. I, I I think it would be boring for me. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, they're not so much into leopard geckos. They're more into, like, um, like I don't know, different snakes and um, other lizards. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, yeah. Um, I understand, yeah. What other, um, what, what, as far as your, uh, as far as, like, the breeders that you, you uh, you work with, and you said you keep them all separate. Separated. Uh, do you have any specific ways that you introduce uh, now? Now, as you know, the breeding season is upon us. A lot of people are, you know, asking questions about, and especially new people that are coming on the scene are asking a lot of questions about breeding. Um, what do you? What what specific way of uh, pairing your your males and females do you do? Do you introduce the male to the female, or vice versa? What do you do? Um. Yeah, um, it kind of depends on the gecko. Um, I don't know, like, I don't pay that much attention on whether it's, like, male to female or female to male cage. But, you know, I I introduce one to the other in their cage and kind of just, I'll be, like, cleaning some other cages and just, um, you know, pay attention, make sure they're not fighting with each other and kind of wait and see what happens. Um... And, um, you know, if they copulate, then um, and they seem okay, I might leave them or I might separate them. 
I know it kind of depends on the gecko, and I don't know. It's just kind of weird the way I do things. But um, yet some males seem um, to have like a better luck than others. So if I feel like you know the copulation didn't go well, then I'll leave them together for a while. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Like you'll leave them overnight together, or like for a few days, um, or what do you mean? Yeah, like. Um, couple days, um, sometimes a week or more. Uh, usually mm-hmm. I just stick with a couple days. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Absolutely. All right, I think we have a caller here. This is a caller from the 347 area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi, caller, are you there? Caller from the 347. Oh, Hello. okay. Hello, you there? No, okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I think they're just listening. People can be, like, really nervous about calling in. It's just, we're just fellow gecko addicts, you know? Just call in and ask a question. Um, <laughs> if you could, Michelle, if you can change one thing about the leopard gecko community in particular, what would it be? Um... You know, I just, I've had this thought in my head recently, and I think it's something that hasn't really come up um, that I just wanted to mention. Um, there seems to be, like, um, I don't know, some breeders, they, you know, advertise, I only buy from the top breeders or whatever. Um, elitist kind of attitude that you can only buy your breeding stock from, you know, Steve Sykes or somebody that has thousands of geckos or something. And Mm -hmm. I just don't think that's fair to, um, you know, people like us, the middlemen. Like, it also doesn't um, provide a very good, um, you know, culture and um, uh, cohesiveness. Like, you know, you're a new breeder. You go out and you get your breeding stock from the best of the best. And then you produce animals who's going to buy from you if everybody is supposed to buy from the best of the best? That's good. That's a really good point. You know, that, and I, I'm glad you brought it up, actually, um, because I'm I'm actually one of those people that I guess is that definitely promotes the fact that, you know, I've only bought my geckos from certain sources. I have bought geckos from, um, you know, more people on my own level, the middlemen types, and, um, I'll be honest with you, so I've had a couple of pretty bad experiences. And and that's that's just perhaps because I've gotten unlucky. Um, today, it's, and if you're the type of person that I think wants to make a name for yourself and sell your animals easily, it's almost, it's almost the situation, it, and it's sad, really, that the situation is kind of like if you can't, you know, say or prove that you got your animals from a certain person or a certain breeder, you know, it's almost like it's, uh, there's like a, not mistrust, but it's like, it can't, it's not as, what would, what would you, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know what I'm trying to sure. say, right? Yeah. Um, you know what, it's, it's like, it's almost like it's a safer bet to buy your your geckos from 
you know, this person, that person, and this person. And, and, and it kind of limits yourself in a little bit. Um, but mm-hmm. like you say, there, there are a lot of new people coming on the scene, you know, that, that do have contributions to make, like yourself. Like, like when I think of smaller quality breeders, I think of people like Fad from Ohio Gecko, who's doing incredible work making his low-expression snows and stuff. So mm-hmm. I think that the huge, well-known breeders get the spotlight. I feel that more people, you know, that, that deserve recognition deserve it as well, like yourself, like myself, like Fad. You know, I think that there are, there definitely are people that deserve more exposure and more uh, credibility. That's the word, credibility. Um, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And I think that's, like, that's one of my goals, you know, at, with this show is to bring the attention to people that you wouldn't normally hear about or that aren't always in the in the topic of discussion, so to speak. And, like, when I, you know, was buying all my initial breeding stock and, you know, I would hear rumors about this one and that one and I kind of made some mistakes here and there. And in the end, like right now, I honestly, I only feel comfortable buying from a few people only because I've already established my collection. So I really don't need too much from other sources. So, like, if I need some more emerines, I'm going to go to Ron. Or if I need some bandits, I'm going to go to Ron. Um, but now that you're coming, like someone like you, that's coming on the scene and is just about ready to perfect a, a clean line of super snow eclipse that has no tremper in it, I mean, that's that's great. That, that would save me three, four years of work. And, like, why isn't your gecko worthy of uh, of being added to another breeder's collection after all you've put into it. It, it totally is. And, you know, and you deserve the credit for that. I mean, that, that's, that's the mm-hmm. point. Um, I've noticed, though, today, Michelle, that if you don't stand out in the crowd, if you don't go out of your way to do things maybe a little differently or unique, you're, you're just – there's so many people coming into this. Yeah, and they, definitely. you know – yeah, they get two geckos, and next thing you know, they're on Facebook, and I'm ABC Gecko. And that's great. I, th- I encourage that. But at the same time, it, there's so many people. And you got to you – gotta, and I think building a reputation, that's the point. And, you have, and that yeah, takes definitely. years. And tell us about some of the struggles that you've had, you know, as far as reputation and um, getting getting recognition for your work. Have you experienced anything tough out there? Um, yeah, definitely. Well, actually, I wanted to reply to what you were saying. Um, you know, you said that you bought from a couple of the middlemen and had some bad experiences. But I can honestly say I bought from you know some of the top breeders and had bad experiences. Mm-hmm. So okay. whoever you buy from, it's it's quite possible that you could have a bad experience. But yeah, you're right. um, I guess the likelihood has probably decreased. Um, I think what you really need to do is spend some time um, researching a person, their business, what they're doing, what they're breeding, where they got their stuff. Um, get lots of pictures, ask questions, ask your friends, go on like um, a board of inquiry, um, you know, um, mm-hmm. 
just do as much research as you can. Yeah, it's tough. And but sometimes like when you're asking for opinions, you're gonna get different opinions from different people. Like if you go to so and so and say, you know, which breeders do you recommend? They're gonna tell you this one, that one and that one. And then you go to another guy and he's gonna tell you, Well, which breeders do you recommend? And he'll say, Oh, don't go to that one, go to this one. It's kinda of like you know, it's you're still gonna be taking chances, right? Don't you think, in the end? Yeah, well, um, you know, the more people you can get information from, you know, you you find, well, you know, 75% of my friends said um, this was a good breeder, so that's probably a, a good uh, person to go to. But if, mm-hmm. you know, you know, 50-50, then you, it's, uh, you know, probably just find somebody else, <laughs> you know. Um, unless, yeah. like, the, the project that they're working on that you really want um, is, like, only something that they would have or a very limited number of people have this project, then I guess, um, you know, you got to decide, am I going to take the chance or not? Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, I kind of, as far as reputations go, I I am, like, OCD about mine, and I, I, that's also part of my weakness because, you know, competitors know that, and I, I try to pride myself on the fact that I have never, ever, ever, never once done a shady deal or, you know, screwed somebody over or, in fact, no one has ever complained yet about a gecko for me, ever. And I don't know how many hundreds I've passed on now. Um, have you, I mean, sometimes though, you know, I guess at some point I'm going to experience, you know, you can't please everybody type of situation. But uh, have you, how, how is, how is, what length do you go to, you know, protect your reputation and um, make sure your customers are happy with their animals from you? Um, yeah, I try to do everything that I can. Um, you know, I've, bad things happen sometimes. And, um, you know, if it's justified, I'll I'll give refunds and things like that. I know some breeders just absolutely will never do that. And, um, you know, I don't think that's fair. So, mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, I agree. It's just easier just to, you know, exchange it and make them make the person happy. And then, you know, I guess mm-hmm. that's like customer service 101, I think, right? Uh, the, the cust- you know, at all costs, you know, do whatever you can to make the person happy. That's my philosophy. Well, to a point, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I'm not going to bend right, over backwards. Right you know, to please somebody that's asking too much, then that's not fair to me. Right, right. No, of course. Yeah, I understand that, too. We have a caller on the line, uh, someone that we all know and love, Miss Angela. Angela, you are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey, guys. Hey. How are you, Angela? What? How are you? I couldn't hear you. Um, I'm actually not too bad considering the week I've had. <laughs> I know. It's kind of crazy. Terrible. You want to you you want to tell us a little bit about that? You don't have to if you don't want to. Uh, I'll just hit on the the basic highlights. Um, my husband's work has been called off for weeks here, and there was a car accident. Um, I had a really really young new gecko. I had just gotten um, test positive for crypto, so I'm dealing with the fallout from that and the breeder for that and. It's just been a crazy week. Oh, my gosh. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. That sucks. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid yeah. I don't know what question to ask next, so I'm just not going to ask. <laughs> yeah, you're probably not a good idea to ask. <laughs> probably <laughs> not. But um, actually, because of that, um, I'm really big right now on, on, you know, talking about crypto and just diseases in general and stuff with people. And I was wondering, um, since, Michelle, you're a smaller-scale breeder, and most mm-hmm. of who I've been talking to work on a larger scale, how do you manage quarantining new animals? I'm, I don't know if you bring in a lot of new blood, but how do you manage when you bring in a new animal? Um, like, what's the process? Well, um, you know, since I house everybody individually, um, oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'll just go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, since I house them individually, um, I give them, you know, uh, at least a 30-day quarantine, make sure everything's um, a-okay. Uh, a lot of times they'll do a lot longer, you know, 60, 90 days, um, mm-hmm. what have you, um, especially if it comes from... Um, you know, someplace that I'm not certain about. Um, but, I, you know, I don't try to buy from those people. <laughs> um, but, you know, they'll have their, um, you know, I use gloves when I interact with them, and I'll change out my gloves, um, you know, plastic or, um, you know, vinyl or whatever gloves. Mm-hmm. Um and they have disposable uh, food dishes and water dishes um, and uh, hides and things like that. So. Okay. Yeah. Do, do you uh, do you go to the extent of housing them in a different room or you know on separate areas of the room or anything like that or you know just try to keep them um, isolated within their own rack or location? Um, yeah, just um, I only have a couple racks. I don't have multiple racks. I don't have um, mm-hmm. animals in different locations. They're all in one room. And, um, you know, I just um, make sure to keep everything that's theirs in their tub and, and not the exchange, um, you know, things from one tub to another and things like that. So, cool, yeah. Good, good question, cool. Angela. Yeah. Do you have any other questions for us? Um, no, I don't think so right now, but I should tell Michelle that uh, the little Mac Tremper mail I bought from her is just hilarious. Yeah? He's, yeah. <laughs> he, he destroys roaches like it's the zombie apocalypse, I swear. They barely even oh, get awesome. into the tub before he nails it. It's so funny. So <laughs> he is doing great, and I really look forward to seeing the babies he produces later this year. So. Cool. Yeah, awesome. How did you do with your How did you do with your auction, Angela? Um, well, I uh, got a little bit of money, and um, Heather Johnson actually donated a little extra to go along with it, and that was already sent on. Um, they're definitely appreciative of it, so you know, hopefully, they'll be able to use it to good effect to get those poor ball pythons, you know, back to health. So mm-hmm. I was kind of excited Excellent. about that. Yeah, that's cool. Good job on that. All right, great. Thanks for calling in, Angela. I appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs> you guys have a great night. Yeah, it's good to hear from right, you. All right, take care. Michelle, for the future of your uh, projects and and basically your you know your operation, so to speak, what are you what are you going to be doing in the future? What are some of the things that 
you're looking forward to, say, over the next two, three seasons? Um, I'm not sure. I'm just going to see where the, the wind takes me, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, so, so you don't, you don't have, like, a well-planned I... thing out? You don't have, like, something well-planned out? Um, no, I, I uh, you know, from season to season, you know, I plan out my breeders. And then once it comes time, I'm like, oh, I'm having second thoughts. And sometimes I'll just change it up and... um. You know, depending on what I hatch or what I, um, you know, what's out there and what I see that I just like, I must have that. Um, you know, that will kind of determine where my projects are going sometimes. So. Mm-hmm. That's um, cool. No, that's awesome. I um, do, do want to. Do you have any um, surprises? No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I I do want to keep working on my. Um, total eclipses and try to get more and more white, like on the body and stuff, on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've seen ones from like uh, breeders in Europe that are just like 95% white. They're total crazy eclipses looking. that are 90% white for real. Yes. Yeah. No, I haven't seen them. Who's who's working on them over there? Um, I'd have to look up their names, but um, yeah. Is it like a line bread effect? Are they? Or is it random? I'm not sure. See, I think it is line bread, and that's why I keep working on it. Um, you know, I've, I'm picking out the the ones that have you know, the most white each season, and and seeing if I can't, you know, do more with it. But um, yeah, um, so I'm hoping I'll have some good results this season. Wow, you know those breeders over in Europe, they're like. They're hardcore, aren't they? I kind of feel like some of them are, like, two or three years ahead of us, and somehow, like, I don't know how they did it. <laughs> right, uh, like, exactly. Like, uh, Mateus, do you know Mateus, um, yep. uh, Ultimate Geckos? Mm-hmm. Big breeder. He has awesome they, geckos. they got to be doing yeah, something like, behind the scenes. Yeah, I, I feel <laughs> like, I, I don't know. <laughs> Um, I feel like he's a couple of years ahead in, uh, you know, what I'm doing with my total eclipses. So he's, yeah. uh, he's somebody to aspire to. That's true. And I, I'm really impressed with what uh, what Rebecca is doing from Rebecca Hassler from Dragoon Gecko. Her, snow, her um, ghost stuff is incredible. Ghost. Yeah. It would be awesome. What, to do you think of, um, what do you think of Ghost Gene? Do you like that? Um. Yeah, I think like the the lavenders and stuff are really cool, and I, it would be awesome to get my hands on some of those. But I know I'm really nervous about importing from Europe, and I don't know. Oh, that's that's what I wanted to ask you. You you mentioned earlier that some of your geckos uh, have made it to people in Europe. What what was that experience like as far as you know shipping your animals to Europe? Because I get just from my own personal. Knowledge, I'd like to know because I get I get requests all the time, and I've just never never tried to do it. I've always thought would, I'm actually scared. I feel like, you know, I feel like like people feel like when they're going to ship their first gecko. To me, it's the same thing. Like I've just been putting it off and, you know, actually declining transactions because I just never did it before. And I'm, like, what, what's it like? Um, it's actually not that bad. Um, 
yeah, Steve Sykes is the one I, I ship through, um, like Echoes, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, he, does, he takes care of everything. You just send them mm-hmm. to him, and he does it all. Um, oh, cool. But, um, yeah, he, like, um, you know, deals with um, the export-import stuff. Um, he has a, a contact over at the Ham Germany show who, um, the you know, People can pick up geckos, their geckos from, and um, you guarantees that they're going to arrive alive and and things like that. And um, it costs like seventy five dollars for a gecko or something like that. So it's not sure. super cheap, but it, it's it's pretty reasonable, you know, especially for people in Europe. Um, you know, the euros being worth but, more and things like that. So basically, uh, you'd pay you'd have to pay to ship the gecko to Steve, and then. The, the shipping to Europe is another $75. Yep. Oh, that's interesting. That's good to know. Uh, I've just never never done it. I, you know, it's, maybe I'll try to yeah, do that Yeah, you have now. to talk to him first. Um, you know, the geckos have to be shipped out um, like a week and a half before the show. Um, and I don't know how long they actually stay in the delis. I don't know the specifics exactly how they handle them, but I, I know they give them water and things like that. So they don't. Mm-hmm. I haven't had any die or had any problems, um, okay. but you know I haven't been doing this for years or anything. It's only been a, a couple of shows that are shipped to ham. I've never actually. I've I've heard from. I've never heard anything negative really from about Steve. And I'm going to ask him about it personally. He's going to be on the show in uh, I think like a month or so. But yeah, oh, no, cool. that's that's. I've never. Yeah, I've never heard anybody complain about it. So I guess he, I guess he knows what he's doing. Um, I wouldn't want to do what he does and try to deal with all that crazy export stuff and all those regulations and whatnot. That just seems like an instant anxiety attack, you know? Once you figure it out, you know, it's, it's like, um, you know, pretty easy. Mm -hmm. You just get used to how to do, how to do it. But, um, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I would not ship something that's small, like anything under, you know, 25 grams or something like that. Um, right. Because they are going to be without food for probably a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah. And they'll probably, some. I don't know if they'll be in the deli cup that long, though. Probably not. Right? Maybe a week or so, perhaps? I don't know. Um, yeah, something like that. They have to switch them into a different deli cup because they have um, strict regulations on the exporting and stuff like that. It's something that's bigger or something. I don't know. I have to talk to Steve about it, the specifics. But okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I heard about that. It has to be opaque. Like, it can't be clear. And, you know, it has to... Yeah, I heard about that kind of stuff. Rebecca was talking about it. It's weird, yeah. Like, you can't you can't display your animals at the show in clear deli cups for some reason. They have to be cloudy ones, huh. I think. Yes, I think it's the. I think they they feel that it makes them more secure. Well, I mean, at the shows, most of my geckos, their eyes are closed anyway the whole time. They're just sitting there sleeping. But you know, it's weird. Hmm. Yeah, they're well. They're, you know, they're they're experiencing a lot of the things we are too with regulations and stuff coming down. And I think it's like a like a worldwide thing. Canada's getting stuff thrown at them too. But I, I think it's just going to be the norm. For the future, how do you feel about the regulations and things? I mean, I'm sure it's not good, but what do you think? Uh, it's making me pretty nervous. Um, yeah. 
I I definitely um, want to support Youth Arc and what they're doing, and um, you know, uh, not have such strict regulations. Um, you know, leopard geckos are not dangerous. <laughs> um, right. Politicians, I don't know if they um, are realistic about what they want to do and what their future plans are, um, but I, I think it would be a shame if, um, you know, they ended up, you know, destroying the reptile community and things like that. Right. I don't think we're not going to let them do that, though. Not without a fight. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> I, I, mean, I try to look for the positives. I try to look for a positive in, any, in everything, Michelle, and I, I feel like um, this stuff is either going to make or break us, and it's putting us to the test, and basically, you know, we have an outside force that's attacking us. If we do not unite and stand together, we will definitely not succeed, and it's basically going to make us work together and make us, you know, put aside our petty differences, make us focus on the ultimate goal and stand together for the common good, I believe. And I that's the positive I see in it. And uh, if we can do that, and I, I do think we can, I really do, um, then we'll, we'll get, hopefully, we'll get that security where we won't always have this, you know, thing looming, looming over our head that makes us all nervous. And, yeah, it, it's definitely like, I don't know, it feels like I carry a, a, an extra 20-pound metal weight on my back at all times because of it, because I'm thinking about it. And, uh, and yeah. that's that's the hope. Yeah, and I think it, 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 in addition to all the other stresses that we all have in life, it's just something that we just don't need, because we look to these animals and to this community and to this hobby as a as a, a, a release and, a, and like a retreat from our everyday struggles and issues. And it's to actually have to deal with stress attacking that thing, that one thing that we look for to relieve our other stresses is kind of like madness in a sense. And we, we got to, we got to change it. We got to fix it. So it's not there anymore. So geckos can be very therapeutic and, you know, to get rid of something like that, it would be a shame. Yeah, I know. um, Yeah. They helped me through some tough times and I would be Mm -hmm. pretty upset if I, if I couldn't, I didn't have the choice, you know, to keep them. Yeah, I know. I know. I I think uh, it would cause a lot of us to be very upset. I don't even want to think about it. Gosh, some of us are, some of, some of these people we all know are on the edge as it is. Oh, my God. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, we're, we're, at the end, we're at the end of the show, show Michelle, and I, I just want to say that I uh, think it was an excellent interview with you. I'm I'm, I'm really pleased with the, the dialogue and how we did things. It went really well, and um, I, I got a lot of respect for what you're working on. I think uh, your goals as a breeder and your projects are very admirable, and uh, I look forward to seeing what, what your outcomes are going to be in the upcoming season. I, and I hope you have a great uh, 2014 season. Um, uh, at this time, I'll give you a chance to have any closing remarks that you'd like to, to leave us with. Um. Yeah, well, I really appreciate you having me on the show and inviting me to be on the show. And, um, you know, uh, I hope you have good luck with uh, your season, too. Um, Everybody, (laughs) any breeders listening, um, you know, just positive thoughts, um, you know, especially, um, you know, 
with all the, that's going on. But um, uh, I just wanted to thank um, you know, Steve for making the, the Steve Becker the, for making the video and stuff. Um, he's probably not listening anymore, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he goes to bed. He goes to bed around I think nine thirty ish for work. But yeah, uh, he'll 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 hear it. He'll listen afterwards. <laughs> Even though he did spell my name wrong. <laughs> right. Oh, we forgot. We forgot yeah. to break his chops about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Steve, you screwed up again. You spelled her name wrong. It's not. It's not the easiest Italian last name to to spell, though. So I'm not gonna. We're not gonna come down on you too hard because you've got a lot of C's and H's and stuff in there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I get it wrong sometimes too. So <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, yeah. I know how it is. I have my my Italian last name confuses people. It's Pelletieri, and there's two L's and two T's and. I E R E and people say it all different ways. They think I'm French. They call me Pelletier, and you know oh, it's, it's a nightmare. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it's funny though. But yeah, no, that's cool. I, it, it's a pleasure having you, Michelle. And you're you're welcome back anytime you like, of course. And uh, yeah, show us that really cool gecko off in the group when when you think of it. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun um, talking with you and the fans and everybody. So. Um, cool. It was it was great getting to know you too. So. Yes, absolutely. I hope we can stay in touch and uh, converse and talk about our projects and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Okay, Michelle, I'll let you go and uh, we'll start wrapping things up. And uh, uh, thanks again for coming on. Yep. Thanks. Okay. Great. Good night. Take care. All right, everybody. Great show. Yeah, absolutely. And so, thanks for calling in. Um, yeah, Michelle's Michelle's great, great guest, uh, great dialogue. Like I said, I'm I'm really happy about how the interview went. Um, I guess we're going to go into a slightly little bit of overtime because I do want to play an ending song for everybody. If you want to listen to that, you have to call in now, uh, number six four six four seven eight five three three one. And uh, but before I do that, I want to play the outro plug. So check this important information out, everybody. Gecko Nation Radio is a David Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. The jazz music you heard tonight was generously donated and created by Jeremy Turgeon of J&D Reptiles. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for the great musical pieces. You can check out Jeremy at J&D Reptiles on YouTube and on Facebook. And a very special thank you to our news anchor, graphic designer, and audio tech, Steve Barker. All the graphics, audio sponsor plugs, and music overlays were assembled by Steve. Check out Steve on YouTube at BC Barker Creations. He has some terrific videos for the herb community with amazing geckos and snakes. Please support the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance and U.S. ARC. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to support both of these organizations. Please donate to U.S. ARC so that they have the funds needed to legally protect pet owners' rights nationwide. You can donate to the U.S. ARC Legal Defense Fund at www.usarc.org. If you would also like to learn about advocacy and how you can take action on a state and local level, please subscribe to the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance newsletter and blog at www.usherp.org. That's right, everybody. Please, please, please 
even if it's only five or ten bucks, donate to US Arc. You know, it's so important. Just like uh, Michelle and I were talking about, we stress it at every show. Um, and it's, you know, I don't want to be one of those guys that just keeps reminding and reminding, but yes, we have to keep reminding and reminding because it's important. Um, I also, as far as my closing remarks go, uh, I'd like you all to know that these shows that we're doing are a testament to our time. Um, the, the face of herpetoculture, the whole structure of it is changing. Okay. Over the next few years, it's going to be radically different, I believe. Uh, it may be completely changed. The, it, it, it'll be, we, I don't know. I, I can't predict it. But these shows that we're doing now are, are are history. And we're talking about the issues that we face. We're talking about things and topics that are going on. Steve's providing us with the current events and news that are happening. And, uh, you know, we will be able to go back now into the archive, into the archive and, and, uh, listen to what things were like today. So take this opportunity, you know, and make positive changes in the community today so that in the future we don't regret that we didn't do that. You know what I mean? And that's that's how I feel about it. And even if it's something small, like donating five bucks to USR, getting another person involved, or supporting, you know, someone in the community that you, that you like, or just do something good and Help the community as a whole is what I'm what I'm trying to say, and just give a little bit of yourself back, and it'll it'll make the whole thing worthwhile. Because I think in, you know a lot of things that we regret in life are either the risks that we didn't take or the things that we should have done or said or whatever. So um, those are my closing remarks, folks. I want to thank all the fans of the show. The show has become more successful than I ever dreamed. And uh, it wouldn't be possible without our great sponsors and all of you out there listening that are downloading the show and that are in the chat room. Amanda, Angela, Daryl, Michelle's there, Mike, Sean, Heavy Duty Reptiles, Steph, uh, Vogel, um, a few others were here earlier uh, that I that, that had, I guess, check out. Steve, of course, for all his work. Thank you, guys. That's why we do the show. All right. I'm going to say goodnight to the Gecko Nation. I love you guys. I love Gecko Nation Group, the best group on Facebook. Keep going strong. The most positive group on Facebook. I love it. It's a pleasure to be in there every day. And I'm going to play a song. I think I played it on the Christmas special, but um, I'm going to play it again because it's a really cool song, and it's kind of like stuck in my head lately. So check this out. Drive carefully. Don't run red lights.